But today, I want to start with talking a little bit about um, why we're set up to fail when it comes to food, right? And it's kind of interesting when you think about it. Let me turn on another light. It's kind of interesting when you think about it um, that, you know, we think generally that some of these institutions might have at least somewhat of our best interest at heart. But au contraire, right? Because it's a this is we live in a capitalistic society, which is great because what capitalism is is groups of people, strangers coming together for the greater good. That's basically what it is, you know. I can go to an ATM here in Venice, Florida, even if my bank is in up there in Massachusetts. So that's the cooperation. The downside is it's it, uh, is it's profit driven to the nth degree, right? And, and so, you know, when you look at food, it's, it's a great thing. You know, we're set up to fail, I would say, a couple of ways. Number one, we're set up to fail by society, right? In our culture, um, especially if you're a little bit, well, now almost any age, um, if you're height, weight, proportionate, or thin, people look at you strange. Right? Or they'll do the classic, oh, it's just easy for you. Right? I was at the gym the other day, and even people that are in shape, there's a guy there who's really in great shape, and he's really got ripped. Um, and he's not young, probably in his 40s, but still, you know, and somebody said, so ask him a question, he started explaining, and they went, well, you know, it's just easy for you. It's like, didn't you hear what I just said? He cut out the carbs, you know, he upped his. He did all the things you're supposed to do, but rather than the person going, well, I could do that, why not just say, oh, it's just easy for you, whatever that happens to be. And don't we, don't we see that, right? So that's one way we're set up to fail, right? And it becomes that, you know, standard that we set ourselves to, right? And so that, there's that. So society sets us up to fail. Sometimes our friends and family will set us up to fail, especially if it comes to changing your, your eating behavior, right? Why? Well, maybe they want to change, but they don't have the drive to do the things they need to do to change. So rather than encourage you and try to do what you're doing, it's easier to pull you back down, right? Um, I always use the the thing about what Jim Rohn said, and he was the first one. Well, actually, it goes back a long way. Uh, Neville Goddard talked about it. The people you hang around with becomes, you know, your your consciousness, right? And uh, then Jim Rohn and all these motivational speakers took it for like, you know, they'll show me the five people you hang around with. And if I know their income, you're probably in a parameter in there. Right. And so we know that. But it's also true, not just like your income or what you do. It's also your level of happiness. If you hang around with five happy people, you're probably a happier person. Right. If you move to the villages and all you do is bitch about the current state of the world. I make fun of the villages down here in Florida. And they're just unhappy people. They're hanging around with other unhappy people. Right. And I always say that, you know, if you want to be in shape, you got to start hanging around with in shape people. It's just, you know, it's what you do, right? But again, so it's that group that you're with and your consciousness. So whatever level you're doing, right? So 
you know, that's how we're set up. And then we're also set up to fail because the food companies has systematically designed a product that is, is brilliant in a way, right? Absolutely brilliant, right? They, they get you hooked on a product the way, the, the way they make the product, right? And they design it so you want more and more of it, right? Um, and what it is with, with food is um, they've engineered food to hit the perfect sweet spot of fat, salt, and sugar, right? The three things mammals want, the high carbohydrates, like it comes in sugar, high levels of fat, and, and salt, because throughout history, people died from have, not having these things. And so your body is genetically over tens of thousands of years been predisposed to want foods that have this in them, right? And so it's easy for food companies to design the food to make it hit that sweet spot. And then they systematically raise your threshold. You know, in addictions, you know, we call it tolerance. You know, people, if you ever deal with addictions, alcohol and drugs, when you first start drinking or drugging, or almost all addictions fits this gambling, the, the tolerance you have goes up. So you need to drink five beers to really get the effect, right? And so, so you, as your tolerance goes up, you take more and more of the product. And that happens with the food, right? Because they've set your threat, but they do it a different way. They set your threshold so high, right? It takes more of it to hit it. If you've ever um, traveled internationally, right, and had a dessert made, and I know this from being in Asia and Europe, right, in the Mideast, you know, they'll say, oh, do you, would you like this? Because people know I like carrot cake. I'm always talking about carrot cake. And they'll bring in carrot cake. And they go, but it's so sweet. I remember this happened the last time. I think it was in uh, um, Beirut, right? That was 2019, the before times. Remember when you could travel? The before time, right before COVID. But they made this big carrot cake. And I'm like all excited. And they're like, but it's really sweet. And I took a big bite and went, okay, right? This is not that sweet. But I have, and my friend, um, Anthony Risk, big NLP trainer for us in Asia and the Mideast, he goes, Dad, I, I forget. You have American taste buds. You know, you need the sweetness and the fat level up here. Their, their level was down here. So what they thought was sweet was here. What I thought was sweet was up here, right? And so, so they designed this kind of food. So then this flip side of it with the processed food that is high in fat, salt, and sugar is then the natural foods become very bland, right? You don't want them. You know, fruits, vegetables, salad, bleh, you know, you don't want that. You want the, you know... You want this. So we're set up to fail, right? Um, and then we have to also, and this, it's just profit. I remember back, there's a, there's a book called Salt, Sugar, Fat. Is I think the name of the book. It's got those three words in the title. I think I got it right. But it's a great book. And they talk about how this was known a long time ago. And it really happened with the childhood uh, obesity epidemic here in the States and Canada. And you know, and it had to do with how sweet and basically uh, uh, nutrient depleted cereals were, right? And yet we've hooked the, you know, kids kind of, 
it's easy for a parent to say, here, have some, have some cereal, milk, right? And they'll say it has all this stuff in it, right? And, but it was super high in, you know, in the fats and in the sugar. And so kids are obese, right? And so they were looking at this and that, and then they had a study. And what they found was if they made some minor changes to the cereal, right? They could make it healthier, right? They could make it healthier. It, it was very cheap to do this, right? And, you know, it would, it would, it had more fiber, you know, did this and they, they kind of knew you know, it would take a little while for the kids to get used to eating it because they were used to eating, you know, the sugar puffs and the, all the, all the, all the sugary cereals, but it would do this long-term. And a couple of the, you know, companies that made cereal were kind of like, okay, we can do this. Okay. You know, it's for the greater good. But then they had a big meeting with the main cereal companies. And I forget which it's in the book, the head of the cereal, the biggest cereal producer put all this information and he went, I'm paraphrasing what he said, but it was like, my job is not to make children healthy. My job is to sell cereal. And he left the meeting, right? And he goes, I'm responsible to the stockholders, right? And so that's to sell more cereal, right? And so, you know, the, the, the initiative just disappeared at that point, at that moment, right? And, and so, you know, we know, we know this for a fact that, you know, it's kind of set up that way. So the food companies, you know, the fast food companies, they make it, um, you know, if you don't eat fast food and then you, if you ever had to eat fast food for some reason, you know, you'll, you'll really taste, especially the fat in it. Has this ever happened to anybody? Right. You know, like you eat a McDonald's quarter pounder. If you're not used to eating, you'd be going like, it's like eating a tub of butter. Right. But if you're, if you're used to it, that's what you expect. Then you go eat a healthy hamburger, you cook it at home. You're like, this, this is terrible. So, so we're set up for that, right? And then also think about the fact that diet companies make a fortune on you, right? The Nutrisystem, Jenny Craig, Weight Washers, you know, they constantly, yeah, cycle through people. You know, do they want you healthy long-term, right? And it, yeah, we would like to think they do, but I'm not sure, right? Um, so, you know, and, 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 and so they want you in the system, right? Um, I know that from the addiction world, it was a couple of years, right before COVID hit, there was a, uh, and then COVID, it really exposed it, is some of the alcohol and drug treatment centers in Florida had set up a pipeline where they bring people in, get them in, especially younger people, early 20s, right before they got off their parents' insurance, usually, they'd put them in treatment, right? Because their parents' insurance would pay for it. And then they put them in a halfway house and then they would covertly encourage them to relapse so they could put them back into treatment before, you know, while they were living in a halfway house, right? So they would set it up so the people would relapse so they could keep them in this cycle. That mysteriously started to end about the age of 26 because then you weren't on your parents' entrance, right? It's, it, it, it's, you know, it's kind of fascinating, right? So, but when you think about like certain companies, they're, 
do they want you to go into their system, pay one time, and then disappear? We would like to think they do. I'm not sure that they do, right? And then, you know, um, in a to me, in a covert way, the medical community kind of sabotages people from getting a healthy lifestyle. Right? It's easier to give you a pill than to tell you, you know, you need to eat healthy and start exercising. You know, the great secret of weight loss, put down the fork, move your ass, put down the fork, Look, tough crowd, move, right? But, uh, you know, so the medical community, uh, even though they may mean well, you know, do they encourage you to get healthy, right? Do they encourage you? And we're always looking for the magic bullet. You know, um, and that would I would tag that into like the supplement companies. You know, I haven't seen it as much as I. Yeah, I'm still seeing it. But there was a commercial all over the, you know, cable TV when I'd be watching. It was for Golo. You know, a thing called Golo, some pill. I don't even know what was in it. But I, you know, I lost 180 pounds, and then they then as the ads got running more, it's like I lost all this weight and I didn't have to change anything. Really? How the hell does this work? Right? But it sounds good, right? Because then they'll get you to take the pill. And they're usually low entry points, you know. And so it gets you to take the pill, right? So basically, I'm saying the drug companies, the food companies, even the diet companies, they profit from the pain. You know, and even some of the, some of the you know, it's, uh, I mean, right now we're seeing it in the medical community, in my opinion, with uh, the fight against things like stem cells for joints, right? That, no, no, we'll just do a knee replacement. Even though the, some of the, the research I read, especially out of Europe and Asia, the stem cell, stem cell treatment will do this, this, and this. No, 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 we'll just do a, we'll do a knee replacement, right? Um, more profitable, right? Um, I, I'm personally seeing that start to change as more and more orthopedic surgeons start offering stem cell treatment. It's funny how that works. Uh, but so, you know, we're set up to fail. And again, with our friends and family, do they encourage you? Do you have a group of people that encourage you to make these kind of changes? You know, if not, you need to get around the kind of people that would encourage it. Um, I was talking to somebody the other day and they had the same experience I did where they had a, when I was running the Suncoast hypnosis, and uh, people would drop weight, especially if they worked in an, in an office. And after they really started to drop the weight, people that didn't normally bring in snacks started bringing in snacks, you know, that the, that the person that was dropping weight liked, you know, oh, Michelle, I know you like these. I made these just for you. Well, you know, I'm trying to lose weight. Yeah, but I made these for you, you know? And then again, going back to our family, you know, you know, you're the only time my mother would make something I love, which nobody laughed at this, was uh, Rice Krispie treats. Well, right? Was first she convinced me it was very hard to make Rice Krispie treats, right? And then the only time it seemed like she'd make it is when I was trying to make weight for wrestling, and I was basically not eating anything, right? Trying to trying to drop weight to 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 in high school for wrestling. Suddenly she'd make it. I said, Mom, I can't have that, at least till after I weigh in. I guess you don't love me. 
Oh, come on, this happened. You know, it happens to people, you know. You're not a real Italian girl. You don't eat pasta, right? Or whatever, every, you know, and then the culture builds it. So, I mean, these are the kind of things, you know, they always say, comes from the 12 step world, all truth, all change starts with truth. First, you gotta have the guts to tell the truth, right? And admit that maybe you were lied to, right? In the addiction world, it's like, you know, from the alcohol and drug world, especially alcohol, we're lied to that it's part of fun. It's part of being social. You know, it's part of being whatever the word currently is for cool, right? So, so part of that is accepting the truth that, you know, maybe I wasn't given the truth about this stuff, right? And then, you know, on the flip side of that, society, you know, um, Again, it just discourages us making changes, right? Um, because it's easier to keep you in whatever box you, you happen to be in at the time, right? And so that's the first part of like making a change to begin to and realize that, you know, what's going on with the food is multi, it's not just what you eat, it's what's eating you, what's driving the eating behavior. What's driving it behind the scenes, you know? Um, the emotional eating, the mindless eating, things like that, you know? And then a, a subset of that would probably be exercise, right? What stops you from exercising, right? Um, you know, most of us weren't taught that, right? The, the thing about exercise, I always say in, in most of the developed world, it's a it's a lose 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 proposition. I would add a lose 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 proposition, right? That you know, uh, if you weren't athletic in school, elementary school, middle school, even high school, right? Uh, you hated gym class, right? You were last one picked for the team, first one hit in the face with a saw with a with a dodgeball back when they let that kind of stuff happen, right? Whatever it happened to be, so you started hating. You know, had to it, or you were just you weren't good athlete, right? So you hated sports. Well, sports and exercise kind of go together, but they're they're they don't have to be the same thing. So your mind linked the two together. So that's the first loss. You know, it's like I'm not good at sports, therefore I I'm not going to be good at exercise. You know, right? really, some of the worst athletes are professional bodybuilders. If you, I'm not saying if you like that look. But it's like, that's why a lot of them became bodybuilders. They weren't good at football, baseball, basketball, whatever the sport happens to be, right? And so, so that's the first lose is that, you know, you equate it with sports because you were bad at it. So now you're an adult and you don't even try to exercise. Second is if you were athletic in school, right? Especially if you played team sports, in team sports, exercise is punishment. Right? Exercise is punishment. If you played team sports, you tried to get through practice and not have to do like run gassers in football or basketball or do this, right? That's that was your goal to get through practice so you didn't have to do this. Right. Right? To, to have a good wrestling practice so they didn't, you know, double lock the door, make you wear a rubber suit and, and just do cardio for an hour, you know. So that's the second part. And then you, you age out of doing team sports, and for most people, 
truly competitive team sports ends at either high school or college, right? And so now you never exercise. And I, I had several people over the years. The last fun one in my office was a guy, uh, he was an attorney, huge, big man, but six, six, three or four, probably weighed like 450 pounds when he came to see me for weight loss. He was an attorney. And we were, we were doing stuff and he was, you know, he gave up the sweets. So now I go, okay, now we're going to work on exercise. And I remember this, he went, Doc, I can tell you the exact last day I exercised. I'm like, this is interesting. Like I said, I knew he was an attorney. And so probably the hardest exercise he had to do was tell the truth. But uh, you're a tough crowd. Um, but, you know, and he was sitting in my office. This was down here in Fort Myers. And he had a big ring on his finger from the, I think it was the University of Florida. And he played football at the University of Florida. And he goes, well, Doc, like I told you, I played football, you know, at the University of Florida. I had a scholarship. And he goes, I knew from day one I was never going to play in the NFL. You know, I got a full ride. But, I, you know, if you get to the next level, a couple of you have been there, it's like suddenly you're like, Jesus, these people are good. Right. So he kept his scholarship. He goes, I graduated in three years. And because he was on scholarship, they got him into law school. Right. To keep him around the campus because he would play a case. He's a big lineman, play a case. Anyway, he goes, Doc, it was like my my scene, you know, it was my first year of law school. Uh, I was this is my last year of scholarship and we're getting ready for a bowl game, whatever bowl game it was. And he goes, I remember standing on the field thinking, you know. After this game, I never have to exercise again. Because I'm never going to play football. Okay, but guess what? He left there and he still ate like he was training to play college football, right? So he's probably eating between five to 7,000 calories a day, right? But he wasn't doing the workouts to do it. You know, he's an attorney, so he just sat around a lot, you know? And so he just blew up, right? And so again, in his mind, it was the same thing. I'm never gonna play sports, so I'm never gonna exercise because he didn't like exercise, right? He just did it for the end goal. So anyway, so that's, you know, lose, lose. And, this, and the other lose is the fact that uh, in our culture, if you take time to exercise, a lot of people will say you're, you're selfish. You know, I, I wish I had time to exercise. Or they'll look at you like you must not really be busy. You can, I, if you're as busy as I was, you, 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 you could never exercise easy. Yeah. Really? What time do you get up? No. I know a couple of people on the call here. I know Dr. John, you know, he go, I think he's an early morning exerciser, like a lot of people, right? So you roll out of bed and get your ass to the gym, get that out of the way, and then get on with your day, whatever it happens to be. So again, so it's lose, lose, lose. So it, you know, it's, you know, so we have to not just do our, our, our due diligence with food and realize we've been lied to and maybe misinformed, miseducated, I like to say, with food, but also with exercise, right? And then that comes to the beliefs and, and all the other stuff that we have. So that's just a little bit about like what the control of food is and, you know, how you have to begin to look at these things in a, in a different dynamic, right? And if you're going to help other people with this issue, if you're a coach, a therapist, a hypnotist, you know, with food is um, uh, 
first of all, look at your own life to see if maybe you could tweak your own life to fall in love with the, the things you're going to do. And, and, then, and then help other people. First of all, the first level is to get the education, the awareness, right? You know, and again, to realize that maybe you've been, I love the term, misinformed, miseducated. You mislearned stuff, you know? Um, and so that's just that. If you want more info on that, I'm doing a course called, you know, uh, Helping Clients Control the Food. So it's, it's mainly geared for helpers, but also we're going to walk through it. It's on uh, Saturday, March 18th. Uh, it'll be like how food is an addiction, how it's like an addiction, but not like an addiction. Um, and, and some of the stuff we can do to help people make changes, right? And I would suggest maybe tweak a few of the things yourself, right? Because the upside to the current world is we're constantly getting new information, you know? Uh, I don't wanna say new science, but science reveals different things which can help speed up some of the things that we're doing but you have to be willing to look behind the curtain and not everyone is. So that's uh, March 18th. If you want to join me, uh, click on the link below this for the replay, click on the link below, click on the link below and uh, see you on the other side.